Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hello and welcome to Curiously Polar episode 16. Hello Mario, how are you? Hello, Chris. I'm perfectly fine up here in Tromsø. And, and, and what? How you, are you? Well, I'm I'm amazingly good because we have this uh, we have this thing now. The the what do you call it? The intro. The 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 music at the beginning. Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you impressed? I am very impressed, and I am also uh, like uh, how do you call it? Honored. To be uh, <laughs> to be introduced by such a jingle. Now, now you're now 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 it makes you feel like a real uh, like a real radio guy. <laughs> yeah, now I'm no no. We, I'm turning we are... from a from a polar polar traveler to <laughs> to a radio person. <laughs> now, now we have we have the this this podcast is now 16 episodes long, which means it's been on for 16 weeks, and mm. we are kind of slowly professionalizing it a bit becoming a bit better adding things here and there and we waited a bit for like to see if it catches if people actually want to hear us if people actually want to listen to us so that's um that's now a pretty clear that that uh, there are enough people out there who want this so um let us know what you think you can go to curiouslypolar.com and there are links to to contact us and let us know uh, how you like it. Um, another thing we're looking at for, <laughs> from a professionalization point of view is, uh, Mario, tell us a bit about your audio setup. <laughs> well, my audio setup is uh, yeah, probably a little bit amateurish here because uh, I am actually uh, using the uh, uh, Zoom H1 uh, <clears throat> recorder that I use with my hydrophone for recording marine mammal sounds as a microphone input for this podcast, and which, uh, it's yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you have you have the the little recorder, which, to be honest, I mean, um, it is hard to kind of fight. Okay, let let me. Everyone has heard Mario now. Now I will yeah. uh, I will let you hear Mario without the audio processing that we put on that, which is very cumbersome to do. So Mario, um, what do you yeah, sound? Well, I can tell. I can tell you the rest of my setup while we are having this because I then use a, quite a cheap uh, camera tripod. Okay. And uh, and a selfie stick <laughs> okay. with some gaffer tape. Yeah. Which, and, um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> and and a and a, and a USB um, uh, card uh, for transferring sound, a Griffin uh, iMic thing. Oh wow. Uh, thing. Okay. Yeah. If you if so. you know anything about audio production, this is sad a sad state of affairs and we need to change this but uh, in order to be able to change this um, pretty much the only way to really fix this is to get a good microphone in front of uh, mario's face when he talks mm -hmm. to us and uh, the 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 one microphone that we're looking at is the rode nt uh, which is an a usb microphone it's made for vocal recording it sounds like a worlds better than what we have right now and it will make this recording so much easier in the future and uh it's about 160 euros so um we're trying to find to, to to find the money for that so if you are inclined to help with a little donation um yeah we're begging for money here <laughs> um yes. go to curiouslypolar.com there's a link for a donation button so you can uh throw in a few a few a couple of bucks in the hat or in our tip jar, and uh, then we'll put this straight to the microphone 
that Mario will then use. So we're working hard on making this better and more enjoyable for everyone, including ourselves, because it just it's just more fun if you sound good. Well, thank you very like much. This. I cannot. I can also add that I will. I promise I will not sing with this microphone on this podcast. You heard it here. This is. It's 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 now it's now in the wild. Everyone knows this. So if you sing my whale songs or something, you will. Uh, well, unless unless of course it's professionally acceptable in here, but spontaneously I will not uh, burst out into opera. Or that anything. is very appreciated, Mario. Thank you Good. so much. <laughs> but we want to hear your dulcet tones just a little bit better. So mm, donation yeah, button that would be nice. in the show notes and on the website curiouslypolar.com. Okay, let's get to the content, to the show itself. Um, we uh, already talked a few times about it. And for me, um, a, cu a couple of years ago, the midnight sun above the Arctic Circle was a very new experience. I arrived uh, a couple of years ago in Lofoten in northern Norway. And uh, yeah, the sun didn't set. That was one of the attractions to go there. And it did a few interesting things to me. So you've been living up in Tromsø for, for how long? Uh, yeah, well, on the 16th of April this year, it was uh, 10 years. Okay, my, so... Uh, 10 years anniversary, yes. That's your, your 10th Four. year of uh, living in the midnight sun. Yeah, of, uh, of living, of being resident up above the Arctic Circle. Yeah. <clears throat> so how is I experienced that? the first midnight sun uh, much earlier in... Uh, in 1986, mm -hmm. when I was traveling northern Norway, but uh, but uh, but now I I really feel it in my life and, <laughs> and, and the life of everybody. And uh, okay, so so midnight sun um, happens because the way the Earth is tilted to its side, and then the sun just doesn't go under the horizon for for how long? When does it start? When does it end in the year? Yeah. Well, here in uh, in Tromsø, it's uh, a couple of months, but um, the uh, length of the uh, midnight sun and the dates for start and end of the of the visibility of the midnight sun change according to the latitude at which you are. So the higher north, because, uh, the longer it is. Yes, it is uh, as you're saying, and it's it's due again to um, the tilt of the um, of the Earth's axis. And um, and this means that uh, we we talked about this before in a previous episode, but um, the tilt of the Earth's axis uh, and the uh, movement of the Earth uh, or the Earth's orbit make uh, the sun rays um, hit the Earth at an angle, um, and um, and these are um, these are the origin of the uh, of the midnight sun. And uh, also the polar night. So the, the polar night is pretty much the opposite of the midnight sun. That's when yes. the the sun doesn't even get above the horizon. Yes. Now let, let's let's take it um, maybe on um, let's take it stepwise. Like if we are at the North Pole, for example, at the North Pole, uh, we will have a uh, six months day and since six months night mm -hmm. and uh, as we move uh, southwards the uh, the uh, uh, period of continuous day so I, I define the day as the time where the sun is completely above the horizon yeah? mm -hmm. so if we have a 24 hours day 
uh, at the North Pole for six months. Then, as we move southwards, the uh, length of the period where the sun is above the horizon diminishes uh, for 24 hours. And the last position southwards, as where we can see the midnight sun uh, above the equator, like north of the equator, is the northern polar circle, which is at uh, 63 uh, degrees, uh, 33 minutes and a half north. Um, so at the polar circle, the midnight sun would be visible in theory just for one day. That's just for 24 hours. So there will be just one 24 hours where you can see the sun continuously all around. And of course, the sun goes around the, the horizon. So at midnight, you would see it more or less at north, depending on where you are, because now the times that we have, uh, that we use on our clocks are standardized on a, on a, on a wide range of longitudes. So, um, so, so, like, uh, we have this, uh, this uh, decrease of the length of the, of the number of days in which you can see the number, the, uh, the midnight sun, uh, as we go towards the portal circle from the pole. Um, conversely, you will have the same phenomenon as at the South Pole. Uh, the only difference, uh, main difference for the personal experience is that uh, around, uh, like, south of the southern polar circle, there are very few people that are living um so uh, there are very few people that can uh, experience and, this and in the south it's on the opposite uh, opposite side of the year yes and in the south as the seasons are reversed when at the north we have the midnight sun at the south in during the same period you will have the polar night so and, and conversely when you have the polar night uh, at the north you will have the um the midnight sun at the uh, or the polar day at the at the south around the south pole. One one interesting thing is that uh, like uh, uh, some people and um, it's not uh, it's not a few actually uh, they think that when you are north of the Arctic Circle you would have six months of darkness. <laughs> that's Total not the six case. Six months no. of darkness, and that's that's not the case. And uh, and um, and of course, like uh, you don't have six months of uh, of of midnight sun or of light or sunlight first of all because the weather is not always very nice so you don't see the sun for 24 hours a day for six months anyway <laughs> and this is this is one of the one of the advantages of living north of the portal circle in areas where the conditions in the north atlantic are quite uh, are quite dire sometimes mm. and um and the other thing is that, uh, well, there are other, there are other factors that um, that influence the uh, the visibility of the sun. And one of the thing is the um, the fact that the Earth is not totally uh, the surface of the Earth is not totally flat. I mean, if you were out at sea, you might have uh, like uh, the theoretical visibility of the sun. But oh, here, you mean for example, just a little mountain at the, the horizon? You have the mountain. Cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you are on a mountain and you're looking out towards sea, <laughs> the length of the midnight sun it might be. A little, uh, a little longer. Mm -hmm. The length of the, the number of days in which you can see the midnight sun, because you will go higher up, and then you will see below the horizon. So, it is, I find this really interesting. I find it especially interesting what it does to you, because um, for me this was a completely new experience, and I'm, I'm usually a what I would call a dark sleeper. When I sleep, I can't have light around me normally. 
So even even if I have like something charging and there's a little LED in it, it, it bothers me. So I, I, I'm the one who goes around and either un- unplugs things or puts like black stickers on lights so <laughs> they don't bother me at night. And then I came to Lofoten for the first time and there was midnight sun. And it was, I think the, the, the lowest the sun was at like 1 a.m., around 1 a.m. at that time of the year. And it, well, first of all, um, of course, there are methods to kind of get around it when you want to sleep, like um, blackout curtains, curtains that are light tight, so you darken down the room anyway. But what I found, what it did to me is it, it kind of changed my, my, my circadian rhythm in some way because I didn't get tired in the evening or at least by far not as much as I did back home. And I think that is really light related. So I came, uh, I was sitting outside with friends or not outside, but in a restaurant or in a bar and we were sitting at a window and we're chatting for hours and hours and didn't really think about going to sleep because we didn't have that sense of it's night. And uh, then midnight or even later, we'd like realize that, oh, it is getting late. Um, what is that like for you now that you have lived there for 10 years? Well, first of all, it's terrible because you want to stay out, but the bars close at 2. <laughs> so, at 2? Well, there are other countries where they yes. close at 11, so you're, you're oh, that's, lucky that's even worse. That's even worse. Um, uh, well, uh, as you're saying, the, um, the light uh, cycles or the, uh, the presence of light um, influences our circadian rhythms. And uh, this is done uh, through a series of mechanisms, but one of the mechanisms is a hormonal mechanism. So when when the light shines on us, and even if we have our eyes closed, the, the light that uh, is uh, passing through the eyelids and hits the, the retina actually uh, is suppressing the production of a hormone called melatonin or melatonin. And uh, and this hormone is uh, what uh, makes us sleepy. So when the light is not there, uh, then the production of melatonin raises, and this hormone makes us sleepy and uh, contributes to all uh, uh, to uh, to shutting down or or mm-hmm. tuning down all of the all the processes. And if we have this light shining on us all the time, then uh, we have a suppression of melatonin or the rhythm of melatonin production is greatly reduced so that we don't see the difference between when we are active and when we are actually feeling sleepy, which makes it uh, more easier for people to stay active, like being outside, going for a jog in the middle of the night or oh, reading. Or, or take a ferry ride to Lofoten, which we did um, at from, yes. from Bodø to, to Svalbard. There's, a, there's like a, a couple of ferries going, a couple of boats going. And when I booked that journey, I was very surprised that it, I think, left at 9.30 and arrived around midnight, um, which... Which then, when I was there, I realized, sure, people are more active at night, so that's kind of normal to uh, put those schedules into the night yeah. as well. And and of course, if you are more active, you get you don't you don't get to you do, you're not that sleepy anyway, and you are getting even less sleepy if you are moving and uh, and 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 your rhythms may get a little bit uh, a little bit um, shifted. Uh, the problem, of course, is uh, 
uh, on the on the short term is that there are rhythms which are fixed, like uh, banks and shops and uh, bars. Also, <laughs> so you, so you, up, up uh, above the, the above the polar circle, the 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 businesses do not really adjust their times. They do not adjust, and this is this is a problem, of course, that uh, you you might want to uh, go shopping in the middle of the night because you are awake anyway, but um, the shops close anyway, and uh, at the at the usual times, and uh, and this is uh, this is a little bit. Uh, like a, a contrast uh, with uh, with your own rhythms. The other thing in the long run is that sleep is a necessary physiological process of for course. Uh, regenerating the brain and fixing memories and 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 things. So and also resting your your muscles and the rest of the body. So so it is it can give a problem in the long run. And some people are more sensitive to this than others. So you have people that can be sleeping even if it's light, and especially younger people. They have less problems in falling asleep, even if it's light, and uh, generally speaking. But uh, but as you get more mature and wise, then uh, <laughs> you you have uh, you might have a problem in being up here. So the solutions is to shut off the light and not being uh, not looking at the screens that uh, uh, that are shining light on you, like uh, even uh, even a small light, like a LED light of. Um, or, or your the, smartphone, the up blue, or the smartphone. Nowadays, the, the the smartphones on like high end, most of them, and and computers, they can tone down towards reddish, uh, um, reddish tones, the uh, the the color of the light of the screen. But uh, because it is mostly the blue tones that uh, are the ones that are uh, influencing the production of melatonin or suppressing the the production of melatonin. But um, but of course. Uh, it's best to uh, to like wind down at a set time so use your your clock or if you if you don't want to do this because you're free from obligations of going to the bank or going to work at a special time then uh, do what you want because actually the light at mid during the during the polar night when the the polar uh, the midnight sun and when the sun is low on the horizon way up north uh, the light changes angle both uh, like uh, the azimuth, so where the light is coming from, so you get different perspectives and different shadows and, and shades. And, and the lower it is, it's more like a sunset then, uh, like a permanent you, sunset almost. And then you get a, a permanent, uh, well, a sunset or sunrise. So because you have, uh, you have, the sun is is very close to the uh, to what what is called the golden hour. You know. Yeah. Um, it has to travel through a lot of close. atmosphere, so yeah. it it gets more red. Yeah. So, so it can it can be it can be wonderful instead of having these uh, short uh, periods of uh, of magnificent uh, reddish tones that you have uh, at the equator when the when the sun goes up and down <laughs> very fast. Here you have hours where you can take your pictures. Oh, I have I have had this experience uh, years ago when I was to Iceland for the first time, and I. Um, I I before that I only mostly had traveled west and east and. Uh, stayed on a similar latitude to where I live, which means the length of days was kind of normal uh, for me. And I was uh, adjusted to that. And then I got to Iceland. And of course, Iceland is further north. It's not quite in the Arctic. Well, part of it is, I think. But um, it's it's really high up from, from Germany's uh, perspective. And I ended up in that situation where I was like, oh, wow, look, the light is getting nice in the afternoon. And um, gauging from the angle of the sun, I, I knew I had about maybe a 
30, 45 minutes until the sun is gone. So I was going out to shoot um, and I didn't really, uh, I hadn't really internalized that I'm further up north that much. So I, I'm out shooting and getting beautiful shots, wonderful light, the, the, the warm light, the golden hour light. And like a, an hour and a half later, I was like, wow, this is long. And I looked up and the sun was almost in the same spot in the sky, which was very disconcerting for a second. And that's that's when it hit home for me. And uh, that experience was kind of almost magical. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting phenomenon. And when you talk about Iceland, Iceland is mostly a part, mostly south of the, yeah. of the Arctic Circle. Just a northern um, tip, I think, is... Yeah, just uh, just a little island of, of Grimse yeah, yeah. is is north of the Arctic Circle, and and even if the Arctic Circle is presently moving a little bit uh, further south than uh, than than the theoretical uh, precise thing, but precise the, angle. But the but the, the, uh, the, the length of the day was way extended, yeah. or the length of the sunset was really really drawn out long. It's really drawn out, and uh, and also like uh, there is a phenomena when you are uh, just. Uh, Within like a uh, hundred kilometers south of the of the Arctic Circle, which is called the White Nights or the uh, Light Nights, um, is that um, even if the sun is below the horizon, we are in a in a twilight situation where there is a lot of light uh, that is shining yeah. uh, in any way in the atmosphere. So, so uh, of, you, of in Denmark, for example, in the summer you have uh, you have practically you have a period of a month where there are the light nights. Uh, the nights are not are not dark at all anyway, even even at the latitude of German. So it's, it's a gradual or, change, as, as yeah. you could expect. It's a very gradual change. And uh, in that respect, I mean, if you are talking about the twilight, there are actually different definitions of twilight. Mm-hmm. I know Do that. you know that? As yeah. a photographer, yeah. there's the the nautical dawn and the, the yes. astronomical dawn and the civil dawn and... Uh, that's an interesting thing, yeah. especially as a photographer, because you you kind of um, can. Mm. There are apps that give you those times, so you can actually adjust your mm. time when you want to get uh, shots of the blue hour, for example, and when yeah. you can't yeah. get them. Exactly, and uh, and this is like uh, the the theoretical uh, day and night, uh, the astro- like not the astronomical, but the but the uh, the physical calculation of the day and the night is when the sun is above or below the horizon. Like you can say the center of the sun or the lower limb or the upper limb of the, sound of the sun is above or below the horizon. And this is the day from the night. But then the twilight is a period where the sun is below the horizon and, uh, and it's not dark, totally dark. So uh, you can see a little bit of light from the sun. So the sun's light influence the, uh, the, uh, the amount of light that passes from... Uh, when the sun is 18, 18 degrees below the horizon. Mm-hmm. And this is where you have the astronomical twilight. Is when, uh, like, when the sun is below 18 degrees below the horizon, then it's, it's as dark as it gets. That's, and, I, th- uh, I think there, there are some, some, um, yeah. less scientific definitions as to mm-hmm. that's when you can start navigating by the stars and, Exactly. Um, the the the, the yeah. civil dawn is like when you can go yeah. outside and still read a newspaper. So there, yeah. there are lots of yeah. different interesting definitions yeah, exactly. um, for that. And I this love is this. And, and this is like the nautical twilight, which is uh, in between the astronomical uh, twilight, uh, astronomical dawn and civil dawn. 
is at when the sun is 12 degrees below the horizon. And this is where you have to turn on your navigation lights mm-hmm. or when you can, uh, uh, like, uh, navigate uh, safely uh, without, uh, without any, I mean, safely, like, in, in daily, uh, daily visual navigation. And the civil dawn is 6 degrees. So it's 6, 12, and 18 is multiple of 6. Oh, that's easy uh, to remember. It's easy to remember. And, uh, and, uh, and one thing that is actually interesting is that when you were talking about the golden hour and the definition of golden hour I found, uh, in, in the books is that it's from six degrees above the horizon to six degrees below the horizon when mm. the sun is in this uh, span there. But when you talk about the blue hour is when, when you get these very nice blue tones is, uh, when the sun is below the horizon between four and eight degrees. So I wonder because I, I couldn't find a solution to this, but the blue hour is actually uh overlapping the golden hour um well the, from a photographer's point of view the blue hour um is when when there you normally have a big dynamic range a big brightness difference between the sky and the foreground like the landscape mm-hmm. or cityscape and um the blue hour is sometimes defined as when when those two parts of the landscape are at the same brightness because then when you expose for the foreground like let's say a cityscape, um, buildings with lights in the windows, and then you, uh, you that will that's when you will get this uh, this deep blue sky when the sky okay. has, has very deep blue colors, and um, depending on again where depending on where you are on the planet, this can be um, half an hour long or this can be five minutes long. So um, blue hour is kind of misleading. It's not an hour. It's sometimes just a few minutes. And the further, mm-hmm. the closer you get to the equator, the shorter it is. Yeah, like like the golden hour as well. It and we, be, and when we yeah, went uh, to Ethiopia, which is like eleven degrees uh, from the equator, um, the day and night was pretty much all around the year, uh, roughly six o'clock to six o'clock. So yeah, yeah. You, you get up at six, you go back back inside at six, at six o'clock because the light goes away. It goes away very quickly, yes. And one, one other thing that is actually interesting when we're talking about the midnight sun is the uh, converse uh, phenomenon of the polar night. And we mentioned this before. Um, but uh, the influence of the polar night, and this is like in Tromso, it's uh, around uh, from the uh, 20th of November mm-hmm. until the 20th of January or the 18th of November and 18th of January, depending on like if you are on top of the mountain or not, if you consider the the uh seeing the sun or not uh but the polar night is the period where the sun is just below the horizon and in tromso which is 66 69 degrees north uh we have we don't have like total darkness during the day for even for the two months and not even for for a day is total darkness but we have these uh, twilight and tones and reddish tones toward the south uh, um in the middle of the day which are which allow you to uh, try to suppress the melatonin production by going out, and this is uh, one of the things that people up north uh, learn uh, very quickly is that uh, it's good to be outside and in the middle of the day so that you can get as much uh, uh, light from uh, from the sun as possible. And the other thing is that people up here, uh, and it's different in northern Norway than a little bit further south, is that. Uh, you don't care whether it's uh, light or dark, uh, so the summer or the evening. There are lots of people that do activities 
uh, in this regard their melatonin production or anything, but in the middle of the night. Like oh, we so, have, uh, so they will, they will we go have outside ski slopes. And, oh, yeah, ski slopes have, at night? We have ski slopes at night and uh, they are lit. Uh, if there are slalom slopes or some few uh, cross-country slopes are or tracks are are lit, um, and um, and you can do your um, your activity also like uh, even in the, let's say in the late afternoon or uh, like in the middle of the winter when it's really dark. I mean, then the then the night <laughs> the sun is is below the uh, way below the horizon, and uh, but you can still do activities. So people adapt and and go out and enjoy the outdoors. So, do you know if there is uh, a stronger uh, incidence of like depression and things? Because that's what I would think when uh, a lot of people, I think, are sensitive to light and the lack of it. Um, I think that the the studies about uh, darkness, light darkness cycles, and depression uh, swing between saying there is a higher incidence of depression to there is a lower incidence or, or there is no difference. Uh, but, um, uh, depression, as far as I understand, is a consequence of many things. It's not the light or the lack of light that causes directly a depression or not. It's more that the, the effects of the, of the lack of light that would Uh, trigger out uh, some some physiological mechanisms and psychological mechanisms then lead to depression so i'm i'm not uh, i i've been trying to follow this and i must say that uh, the experts are not uh, are not uh, totally unanimous on saying there is more depression on uh, on being up here and of course the... we we're, we're not uh, doctors so we can't well yeah not not doctors of medicine not anyway. doctors of medicine But it's not enough being a doctor of biology. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, so so this is uh, this is interesting. It's an interesting question up here. But I, I think that there is a selection, and um, there is a selection of people that um, that stay here because uh, there are a lot of immigrants, especially here in Tromsø, for example. There are a lot of people that come from other places, and they come to Tromsø, and Tromsø is growing about a thousand inhabitants every day, every year. Uh, so we are about uh, 70,000 inhabitants at the moment. And uh, I think in the 1940s, there were about 20,000 inhabitants. So the people that immigrate here, and uh, of course, there is also a natural increase in the local population, are people that come over here uh, because of a job or um, like like me, coming over and working here in research in northern Norway. Um, and... Um, And I know several that just left because they think that the weather and the daily rhythms are not uh, not what they like. Mm -hmm. So there is a selection. It's among, among the immigrants, the ones that stay are the ones that are actually more adapted, or they don't find it a problem that there is this, among other things, also this uh, this night and and dark cycle, uh, light and dark cycles. Mm -hmm. What I found again, just with the short visits that I did. Um, was I think it's a parallel to jet lag. When you go east or west, you change your time zone, and then you have to adapt to. Well, you have, you have to adjust your your inner clock, and it takes uh, several days to do that. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, look, I'm going up to Svalbard. It's in the same time zone, so it's not going to be a big difference. But I had same similar symptoms, and I'm not sure if there's an official term for that. But of course, it came from. Um, being subjected to light at times of 
uh, the night where I'm usually not. So, uh, mm. is there a term like light lag or something? Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, I've never heard of it, but, uh, I definitely experienced it, uh, especially the first times uh, you go, or the first times when, when you are normally living in, uh, in, uh, in like more, uh, in lower latitudes, mm -hmm. um, like in the center of Europe, uh, um, then you you get um, you get this uh, hmm. you get this uh, this light lag as you're calling it. Maybe you should call it a light lag. It's it's. But it's I, like, I've never encountered it uh, yeah. described. I think I think those those circadian rhythm issues um, now now I believe they are um, not directional. They have just pretty much to do with the distance that you travel from home, no matter which direction. <laughs> Yes, and if you travel l long enough, then you are so tired. <laughs> then, well, if you travel, after the travels that you can you can sleep. <laughs> if you travel long enough, you're back where you started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but that's uh, that's fine. Another another interesting thing is that, um, especially when you're talking about the polar night, is that um, uh, there is a, a high a very large difference. Uh, of the, in the quantity of light that you perceive or the or your subjective perception of the light, if there is snow on the ground or if there is no snow on the ground, that's the and, albedo uh, thing, the the reflectivity yes. and and uh, and it's just it's just fantastic. Like here in in Tromsø, because we have this uh, Gulf Stream uh, that heats up the the coast, and uh, it, it takes a long time into the into the year. Like we're getting in towards December, where we get like permanent uh, snow on the ground. And the months that lead up to it, so that lead up to the polar night, and when the ground, especially the years where there is more rain, um, and the the temperature are higher, of course, the, uh, the those years uh, are horrible. I mean, this this is where you really you really wished for the snow to come, and when then when the snow comes and it settles on the ground, and you have also the the light reflected light shining from the moon over to the to the snow, it's just magic. And um, and you can get really really nice landscapes. <sighs> yeah. And the, the other the other thing, and that we might be talking about this in a in a future episode, is that having a longer night. And now, of course, we are talking more about the night we started out with the, with the midnight sun, but the two are linked together. But having a longer night, a longer darker period, is that you have more hours to watch for auroras or northern Ooh, lights. Oh yes. Or southern lights, of course. Ooh, and this yes. is this is this will be probably a subject of another podcast. It definitely will. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm, people have started asking for it, so we have, will have yeah. to come up. And, with and this auroras soon. are a phenomenon that uh, you have to look for, and and they are there also during. I mean, the actual phenomena is producing is produced also during the uh, during the summer when there is a lot of light. But uh, you can't like, see as it. it is even even now you can you cannot see it. Yeah. We'll have to go a little bit into December for. Uh, the possibility of detecting auroras with uh, photographic sensors. I mean, you don't see it uh, sometimes uh, at the end of middle of September, end of September, you begin seeing the auroras up, when up you look at you your live. pictures. Yes, uh, up here, when you look at your pictures. Because with the cameras, you can set them up so that you can actually detect the aurora, yeah. uh, but you don't see it yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then, but then uh, sometimes you, depending on the time, you see more of it than you thought you would we had a few of those uh, around greenland for example mm, yes yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway i th yes, think yes anyway we covered the midnight sun and the polar night 
And uh, if you have any questions out there, let's know. Let us know. Go to curiouslypolar.com. That's the website for this podcast. You can find all the other episodes uh, about a lot of interesting topics. You can find this. Po- if, if, you ha- if you stumbled on this on a website, uh, you can get it where you get your other podcasts in your podcast client. And uh, we'll be coming with new episodes every week. And again, if you want to help us up our game and make Mario sound better than... <laughs> Than he actually is. <laughs> well, he sounds really nice in person and he sounds as good as we can make him with uh, the current setup. But uh, if you want to help us increase that and make this a bit better and make the production easier for us, then uh, a, little, a little microphone-related donation. It will just go towards the microphone and when we have the microphone, I'll take the donation link off the website. So um, let's, let's, let's do this together. Let's get this. Uh, and, and of course, remember, I uh, promise not to sing opera on the podcast. We, yeah, registered, yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. And talk to you again next week. Until then, take care. And of course, stay cool. Stay cool. Stay cool.